Domestiques, thanks for joining us. It is Monday, July the 25th, and we are here for Black Sheep Cycling Apparel. Well, what a huge day it's been in Paris. The Tour de France comes to a grinding halt. At the same time, the inaugural women's race, the Tour de Femme, starts its journey under a blazing hot sun in the French capital. It really was a huge day of celebration and I had the opportunity of witnessing on the spot both events it was wonderful the men and the women thousands tens of thousands probably hundreds of thousands of people there and uh, Matilda Tills I've got to say I thought about you today I was on location to see the women start their Tour de France journey uh, there was so much anticipation. They were proud. It was a real proud day for women's cycling. And I had I was privileged to be there. And I can genuinely say to you, Tills, I thought of you today. And I know you're not here in Paris. You're in a cold, cold <laughs> city in Australia. But um, I wish you were here. We're really. Jeez, don't break her heart. I know. Just right, wind it up. No, thanks so much, Mike. I, I appreciate the thoughts. And uh, I think, look, I was, yes, on the ground uh, here in Australia and felt that from here. So I can only imagine how it felt for uh, the women who were over there. And I think also just so many of the women who have come and gone uh, within the sport, I think everyone will be coming back to it to watch. And, you, you know, you, you saw even in an interview with Amanda Spratt on the, on the start line, there was a emotion and tears and just I think for so many of the women who have been there for a few years they never thought that they'd get here there was always so much talk um, you know La Course was always a challenge it was always a one day and I think they can't believe that not only was the yellow jersey awarded last night but they get another seven stages after today and I'm all in and uh, I, I, I'm not there on the ground but I'm certainly feeling it back here and it's amazing. Well, I had a great day for many reasons, and um, one of those reasons was uh, to track down my fellow domestique in uh, Lee Hollywood Turner, and I can honestly say I was in the same place, in the same city, breathing the same air as you, Hollywood. What a moment that was. Oh, yeah, what a great day. I don't know how you found me. I was sort of trying to dress inconspicuous. <laughs> <laughs> yellow glasses, yellow shirt, yellow slides and yellow shorts, yellow phone, everything yellow. But no, it was honestly such a wonderful day, starting with the women's, the atmosphere when they first roared onto the champs liaise, you know I can't pronounce it, it was just the buzz. Today reminded me of 2018 when I went to the West Coast versus Collingwood Grand final walking to the mcg you could just feel the atmosphere in the air the, the tension the it was just you could cut it with a knife it was just so exciting i had just hadn't experienced that before and it was just so good to be there i was pinching myself I'm not a big AFL fan, but I'm sure today was much bigger than that. No, it was it was it was massive today. Like looking up from where we went up to the ninth floor and looking down across the whole boulevard and just seeing the crowds ten deep and just a roar when the riders roared up and down. It was just man, I just hadn't experienced it. It was fantastic. It made the tour down under look like a Caulfield Carnegie crit on a winter's on a uh, on a rainy summer's day. That's what it made the tour down under look like. It was just so big it was the big show 
Now, just briefly describe your day, Hollywood, because after watching at ground level, you took me upstairs to uh, the ninth level of a building overlooking the Champs-Élysées, and uh, we had a few drinks, we had a few nibblies. I had to leave early because I was getting flustered, hot, tired, but you stayed there until, what, 11, 12 o'clock at night? No, oh, yeah, but to the, to the end. To the end, and then we went across to the uh, Bike Exchange team bus and had more fun there. So, look, I was lucky through uh, Giant Bicycles. I ran into the um, one of the marketing guys yesterday just out in the street, which, again, just luck went my way. And then, yeah, I got in, Ali and I got invited up there, and we just had a, a wonderful day. And I spoke to a lot of the giant global people that I'd, I'd met over the years because, obviously, I've tied, tied in with Giant Bikes. So, it was, honestly, it was like pinching myself. I was like a kid at the Royal Melbourne Show. I was just so excited. I had... It it was, oh man, I can't explain but, 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 it. But listen, listen, you told us off air just before we came on that you spoke to Jerry Ryan, the white knight of Australian cycling, and some big guns. Michael Matthews was there. Who else was there? Give oh, us the, the scoop. They, they were all there, but um, uh, yeah, I spoke to uh, Jerry, which is nice. We had, uh, my uh, friend from Giant, uh, Stefano, introduced me to Jerry. I saw Bling and thanked him for being on the, the podcast and... Um, yeah, I met Brent, who's the general manager of Team Bike Exchange. I interviewed him, which is on my uh, Instagram now, and it was just—I was just pinching myself. They were all there, all the teams, the riders, and yeah, I was just sort of soaking it up and taking it all in. I, I just couldn't believe it. Because I reckon they were pinching him too. <laughs> yeah, what was the Turner? What was the vibe there? Was it a success? You know, a successful tour for Orica? How was it for them? Oh, how, how did they rate definitely, it? Definitely, definitely, because yeah. Yeah, because I interviewed Brenton, uh, which is on which is on my, on my Instagram, and yeah, definitely they won two stages and had four second second places. So it was um, it was uh, definitely a success for them. And uh, Jerry had a got got your moment to me. He said to me, um, "Why do they call you Hollywood?" And I said, "Oh, well, have a look at me." And he goes, "Ah, I know that. <laughs> gotcha." And I went, "Ah, yeah, you got me. Fair enough." So. Um, but no, the, the 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 mood around the bus was jovial. They were relieved that it had finished. Michael Matthews is there with his wife. Just he was exhausted. They were relieved that it finished. But there was a sense of uh, it was definitely successful, and they were all happy. And you know, it was a really good vibe around the um, uh, Green Edge Team Bus Bike Exchange. Well, the news today is that Jerry Ryan has extended his. Uh his relationship with the Green Edge squad, Bike Exchange, Jaco, whatever you want to call it, till the end of 2025. So there'll be an Aussie-registered team in the men's tour, the World Circuit, until then. And Bling is going to stay on. So that's good news, too. So um, it's great news. Uh, he's got a good relationship there. He's obviously getting paid well. I'm not exactly sure what the budget will be moving forward. Um, but I know that I've noticed that a couple of the big names from years gone past haven't necessarily been replaced Bling is one that has replaced the likes of Adam Yates and uh, some of the other uh, foreign riders. But um, I think they're focusing, correct me if I'm wrong, Hollywood, they're focusing on, on, on young Australian talent coming through. Yes, true, but I do know, uh, which I, unfortunately I can't say, but there is... Yes, you uh, can. Tell us. I, unfortunately, I can't. I'll be killed. But I did learn a few <laughs> things today. So to put it this way, the future's looking bright for uh, Bike Exchange, that's for sure, definitely. Uh, Jerry Ryan, 
the guys needs to be knighted. Like I know we've we've spoken about Orica and, and Green Edge oh. quite a bit, uh, bike exchange here. But the the you know if you think about the Wiggins and those sort of people who contributed to cycling, Jerry Ryan. I I, I hate to think of where Australian cycling would be without him. You know, it's he's putting in at least fifteen million euro per year. Um, his time that he's had at the tour has been you know probably over one hundred and fifty euro. Uh, 150 million euro that he's put in over 10 years for that team like it's it's unbelievable and and you know yeah it's been great to see some of the signings he's had and I know we've been rightly critical of some of the talent that they've let go but you never know where uh, Lucas Hamilton's going to go to. They had the choice out of Jai, Ben and Lucas, and they chose Lucas, and I think he's just a little bit slower to develop. So, you know, I, I, it's amazing to see them reinvesting in Australian talent, and it looks like there's a little bit of groundswell again. So it's feeling very positive at the moment. Well, Jerry's got a lot of businesses, and he treats the Green Edge um, Consortium as a passion, as a hobby, an expensive one. So uh, long live Jerry Ryan, and uh, let's knight him. I don't think we do knighthoods in Australia anymore, but let's do something. To, uh, to uh, you know, just praise what he's done, honestly. Look, let's look back on the last three weeks, and we will focus on the women uh, very shortly, but let's look back on the last three weeks of this uh, Tour de France. It has been the best Tour de France in my time, and I've been, I've been following this great race since the early 1990s. Um, it's had everything. It's had speed. It's had uh, excitement. The r- stages have never let up. Uh, the riders have had very little time to actually relax and uh, have a chat to each other, apart from today, obviously, the final stage. But what a Tour de France, full on, full gas from the get-go in Copenhagen. Yeah, definitely. And it was just like, every, like even though the G- GC didn't really change a lot, like it was sort of pog and then it went to uh, Vindegaard and it stayed that way, normally you'd say, oh, that would be boring because it wasn't a lot of changes. But every stage, it was like a, a chapter of a book. It was just different. It was an exciting finish. And like even that one, uh, not uh, the one before the Tom trial where the jumbo rider won the Frenchman, like the call from Carlton Kirby was just insane. It was so exciting. And it was just like meant to be a sort of a nothing stage. And it was even that delivered in the end. Every It was like watching Melrose Place when you were young. Every episode was exciting. You couldn't wait for the next next episode because it was always a twist and a turn. It was so exciting. I mean, Matilda, Hollywood, you're a bit, you're you're a bit younger than me, so you probably can't remember Melrose Place. Uh, Hollywood, every time you mention Carlton Kirby, is that a man crush moment for you? I just think he is the best commentator. Like, Because I'm over here, I got to experience a GCN coverage and it was just first class with him, Rob Hatch, McEwen, uh, Lloyd, it was just, it was just such such good commentary. Because so, I'm into my commentary, and it was just they just the way they build it up to the climax, and it's just it's it's so exciting. It was uh, really really good to listen because you know I would ride and we'd come back and watch the last sort of couple of hours on TV because it's you know we're in the right time zone. It was just so exciting to watch the GCN coverage. You really it made the race so much better. Tell us how fitting was it that a Danish rider would win the Tour and basically bookend this Tour de France. It started in Copenhagen in the Grand Depart and it finished with a Danish victory. Um, quite fitting, I guess. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen what was happening in uh, in Denmark uh, over those last few stages and the crowds going wild. And uh, I imagine it would have been like an Irish pub during the rugby. But yeah, it's just very fitting and I think just showed the investment there to start the Tour. 
uh, there and and only grows the sport exponentially. We know what it, the, the Cadell Evans effect uh, for Australia for that period of time, but then to have had the tour there and then mm. to have had such an incredible role model as well, a family man, a quietly spoken guy, and uh, you know, but handled the heat really well and just um, yeah, just 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 a great sportsman. Well, just on Jonas Vingegaard, six months before joining the Jumbo Visma team in 2019, he was working part-time in a Danish factory. You know what his job was? He was gutting, cleaning, packing fish, fish. into iced, ice-filled uh, boxes. And, and before that, he worked at a fish auction. And um, I read that he credits those days of waking up at 4am and all the hard manual labour involved in the shivering cold, and Denmark is a cold country, with helping him to uh, get to where he is today, and that is on top of the cycling world. So this is only his second Tour de France. He finished runner-up last year. He's finished no worse than second in two years. Um, he's an overnight success as far as I'm concerned. And the way he challenged and uh, competed against uh, Pogacar, we're going to see that duel for many years to come. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. And there's there's other younger riders coming through. Remember, you've got the um, one from uh, Quick Step who was injured. You got um, Ineos has got a good young rider. Um, there's there's so much talent. The talent pool of these young guns is so good. And each year, I like I can't wait to the next Tour de France because you know it's it's just, it's just the big show, the Tour de France. Yeah, I think that's what, that's certainly what's coming through. Is everyone's like already geed for the next next tour, and and as you say, Hollywood, there's a lot of names that missed out this tour. Like that was the one thing I feel like was only slightly missing was even mm. though the main story was incredible, uh, it, there was really just one core story there around Yumbo versus Tade. Uh, the sprinters had had their odd moment of getting to shine, but there was certainly some personalities in Mark Cavendish, particularly Alaphilippe, uh, who are missing from this tour, and and. Of course, the crashes yes. that took out some big personalities. So, I, I know that everyone's already G'd, and it'll be really interesting how you know everyone comes into next year's tour. The, the races that they uh, look to do in the lead up, they usually like to avoid one another quite quite a bit in that that last lead up into the race. So, yeah, I think it can be even better. Well, I was very disappointed for Caleb Ewan. He did make it to the finish line, um, but. There's no shame in winning the Lanton Rouge just to make it home. I mean, he's done something that uh, something like 41 riders failed to achieve, and that was finish in Paris. I read a stat today that only 135 riders finished the Tour, which is the fewest number since uh, 2000, 22 years ago. So for Caleb to win wow. the Lanton Rouge, good on you, Caleb. <laughs> it's not the yellow jersey, it's not the green jersey or the white jersey, but um, you'll re be remembered for coming last. Wouldn't it have been great if he won the stage with the Lanton Rouge next to his name? Look, I don't think there's there's, there's not much uh, celebration, I think, happening at the Lotto bus uh, this evening. Yeah, I wonder what the future is for, for Caleb at Lotto, because uh, I remember just a few years ago when he did arrive after being at Green Edge for so many years that uh, he was number one priority and he delivered. Remember all those stage wins? Uh, that love, that TLC wasn't there this year by Lotto. Hmm. No, definitely definitely not. Is he, is he out of contract or is he still 
in contract? I'm or not sure. The thing is, you've got um, me on the spot. There's the bus, throw me under it, and you've done it. A lot of these riders have uh, clauses in their contracts, so if their team doesn't make the world tour, that they can renegotiate and 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 get out of their contract. So I imagine, not that they, uh, Caleb would ever fathom that that he would be in that position, but I imagine uh, that's what would be in his contract. And I, I think a lot of teams would would look to pick him up, and I, I'm imagining he would go elsewhere purely just based on the fact of the team morale, the energy in that team, the focuses, and they need a real reset. But uh, I guess the other takeout from the tour this year is that generational change. We've spoken about it over the last three weeks, and many people have spoken about the POG versus Vingegaard um, duel. And, you know, like I said a few weeks ago, uh, throw in Egan Bernal, who won the tour in 2019, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. we have got one hell of a an interesting uh, couple of years coming up. Um, and having said that, what about uh, uh, Thomas, Geraint G- Thomas? The fact that he's 14 years older than these guys and he mm. climbed onto the podium today, um, third place was as good as a win for a 36-year-old. You agree? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Like 36 and getting on the podium and um, he did it tough. It was... Uh, yeah, it was impressive, but I, I still, sorry, Garrett, those glasses you wear are sh- <laughs> horrible. Like the Oakley jawbones went out of fashion like in 2017 or even earlier. Why are you still wearing them? They're horrible. Can someone get to him and ask him why? Well, I wore glasses on a post that I made this morning when I rode my bike through the streets of Paris at 7am. And the first thing you noticed was how um, the, the style was, was wrong again. Oh, you you yeah, picked it out. Yeah. Uh, you don't look at the subject or the uh, the topic. You look at what I'm wearing. I hate that. Well, yeah, yeah you, had the, you had your glasses Mike, in your helmet, which is fine, but they were all crooked. Like, I know. Mike, wait, on? Had... Is this the first time you've ridden a bike? <laughs> Let's move on. Let's talk about what Mike, you look like... Tills, oh. I want your... I want your take on this. Now, Wout van Aert, um, apart from Vingegaard, perhaps, uh, he was the most dominant rider of the tour. And we know he can sprint, he can time trial, he can climb the highest mountains. He smashed the green jersey competition, almost doubled it to his nearest rival. Uh, and there's talk that one day he may have a crack at, uh, at the GC in a grand tour. Yet, what really bugged me, uh, immediately after the time trial on the penultimate stage after clinching a third stage win he was questioned by the reporters about whether his performances was dope fueled now uh Walt retorted by saying i don't even want to answer that question it's a shit question and you know what i don't blame him he's damned if he does he's damned if he doesn't this is a, a clean era of cyclists i believe and even though they're going faster uh, they don't want to. They've learned from the past. They don't want to fill themselves with uh, doping fueled products. Tills, what's your take on that? Well, I think Till, Tills has just uh, dropped out for a second, so I'll I'll jump in. But what I, what I I agree with you, and I, honestly, Mike, I would be devastated if someone from Jumbo or or UAE went positive. It would break my heart because I really do believe that it is clean now, and it would be so disappointing if that bubble bursts for me. I did see that Paul Kimmage, you know, the guy who used to spar with Armstrong 
said something that, you know, they were saying how it's clean now and he just wrote bullshit. But, look, he's a bit sour grapes. But I would be devastated if um, one of the guys went pause because it just seems like it is clean now. Like you said, Mike, I think they've learnt from their um, – from or well, not they've learnt, but they've looked at the past and they've moved on from that. So I hope – I hope that is correct. But going on about you saying about Wout being a GC contender, I used to think that. But then when I saw them live today um, after the stage around where the buses were and I saw them together, the body is so different. Like Vindegaard looks like a, a, a... uh, like a POW and and Wart looks sort of normal and I, I that's when I thought I thought geez their body shape is so different like I just thought nah to be GC you've got to be you know borderline anorexic it's just their body shape in real life when you see them it's like honestly like POWs yeah but that wasn't the case uh, in the Miguel Indurain era five-time winner early 90s he was about six foot three uh, I can't remember his weight but he was a tall dude, and Wout is about your height, six foot two, six foot three. He doesn't yeah, have the same physique, but he's certainly got the power and the stamina. We're talking about different eras. Miguel, I love him. Miguel Indurain, I love him, but uh, I, I, don't say it's it. a different. I won't. I won't. I can't. <laughs> it's blasphemy. It's like uh, uh, breaking the third third commandment: "Do not use the Lord's name in vain." I will. <laughs> I will not. I will not say it. <laughs> Tills, are they clean? <laughs> oh, Tills, you're just you're dropping the wheel today. Tills is dropping Mate. the wheel. Tills, I hear you back. You're back on the wheel. <laughs> Bloody Brisbane just got 3G. They've only just joined the, the Wi-Fi, so I'm fucking bloody struggling today. Sorry, team. I'm I'm letting the team down. I'm off it. Hold I'm the wheel, Tills. Hold the wheel. I can't. I can't. I'm just seeing you right away at the moment. But I caught uh, little bits of that so you can cut me out later, but there's uh, what will not be GC unless they change no. the course because the thing is everything that makes Walt great is um, because he's not GC. So he doesn't want to ride defensively. He doesn't want to have to go all in on one stage. He wants to go all in on 21 stages. Uh, so it will be interesting, though. I think I think there was enormous relief in that Yumbo team. The fact that Walt didn't even contest today's sprint was very surprising. Yes. But I think that just showed that the, you've got to remember uh, two years ago uh, the, the devastation that happened um, – in Yumbo when they lost the yellow jersey on the finals, the, the TT stage. Like, that that haunts you for a lifetime. And I feel, um, you know, for, for this, the, the team riders who have, who have then gone on to leave the team. But, yeah, I think, you know, he was happy. He was so happy for Vindegaard and to be a part of that. I can't see him going elsewhere just because even with money, it's evident that Yumbo have the best staff, the best program, and uh, enorm- positive energy, and you, you don't want to leave that. No, and just, just think about this Tour de France. They won five stages. They won the yellow six, jersey. Six. six, sorry, sorry, six stages. The yellow jersey, the green jersey, the polka dot jersey. Like, that is just complete domination. Mm. I just want to correct you on something. It's not polka dot. It's polka Dot. Polka dot, is it? Polka now, dot. Can you say Champs-Élysées? Champs-Élysées. <laughs> He's trying to get you back about those sunnies where he, he looked like he'd had a few Sherpas. I know, I know. <laughs> he, he'll always get me on speech. I'm bloody hopeless. You're listening to The Domestics. Tills, let's talk about the women's event today. History in the making. I was there, as I said earlier. I was proud to be there. And the inaugural winner was the Dutch lady, 
No, well, I could ask uh, Hollywood to pronounce her name, but I won't. <laughs> it's uh, well, you tell us how to pronounce it, Lorena Webus. Yeah, Lorena Webus. Yeah, you've got it, got it, bang on. Yeah, Lorena Webus. Yeah, she's uh, she 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 was probably the hot hot favourite. Uh, she was going into it. She's rarely been beaten in a in a flat sprint. The well, you guys were there. The Champs Elysees Pill don't actually realise it's actually quite a hard course. It's got cobbles. It's slightly uphill that mm, finish. Absolutely. Um, but it's uh, yeah, she you know she, she wins at times with hardly getting out of the saddle. But Marina Voss, it would have been you couldn't have written a, a better script if she was to take that first stage, but she is looking fantastic. The fact that she was able to be there with Lorena Webus uh, shows a lot of positive signs and probably the best stories that we came out. I'm not sure if you guys saw on the finish uh, when you were on the ground there, but there was actually a one point for the uh, QOM, uh, the Queen of the Mountain. So there's just a random random point wow, of a small incline. And so uh, Vermarcus from Park Hotel, uh, Valkar Park Hotel, took that and she actually almost posted up. Uh, it was a little bit like Condacourt, uh, you know, in, in um, the men's, men's uh, KOM. But, yeah, she, she won that and she gets to wear that jersey pretty much for the next three stages. So to get up on the stage in Paris, she's not a pure climber. It was a fantastic moment during the race. But you saw a huge contest just in the, the sprint points. And I think that's what's really exciting. There's a lot of riders around similar ability. Um, and the best thing is, unlike the men's tour, and there's a lot of comparisons we can go through, but we've seen these women race one another a lot throughout the year. So we really, we, we come in with a lot more knowledge of what they're like against one another. So yeah, it should be a really exciting stage. And, and for, for what was just a, a sprint stage the, today, really set it up for how good the, the tour is going to be. Well, I tend to ask the question every year when these big races come around, uh, Tills, uh, the Dutch, they're just so dominant. Uh, we've got Liebes today. We've, we had Mariana Voss in second place. Annemieke van Vluten's there. Uh, De Bregen. Uh, the Dutch is just so strong. What's make, what makes them so strong and can they be toppled? Well, now I fully realise, having just been uh, to the Netherlands and and obviously Belgium, but these the women like you turn up to these races and just a local race and there's 150 women, uh, and they've all got their elbows out. It's a fully closed road. They they grow up on racing cobbles. They grow up racing in these laneways. It's it's hard racing, but they also it's it's the coverage, Tomo. Like I know that when I started triathlon, I did that because I knew triathlon women. I, I admired women within that that sport. I didn't know any cyclists. I didn't see any cyclists. I didn't even know there was a future in cycling. And then where the sport has come in the last, particularly the last five years, even with social media, the role that that's played in creating these idols and telling the story of what's happening out there when there hasn't been live coverage has been enormous. And I just the impact that today's stage had and and will continue to have and everyone wants to be a part of that every every girl every every, every young woman who's who's involved in cycling wants to be a part of that so it's just going to go from strength to strength because of that visibility yeah, and people are asking why was only the why was only the last two hours of uh, the coverage shown around the world today well Look, it's the first of hopefully um, a long journey. Uh, I can remember in 2003 
when my former employer showed the first live coverage of uh, the Tour de France. It was the final stage of the centenary year. And uh, they only showed the last two hours. And you've got to crawl before you can walk. It'll come. It will come. It won't be long before you do see every stroke of every pedal of every stage of every women's cycle world tour race. Well, I hope so, because what you can understand is the, the start of the race is exciting because that's when the brake goes and you mm. see the dynamics of the brake going and coming back, then the right one sticking. So the start of the race is actually quite exciting. And then it's a middle bit that's okay. And then the end's obviously the end. But it, yeah, I like seeing it from the start because I like to see the brake forming or and getting away. So hopefully it will get to that where we see, like, like with the men from kilometre one, it's live and uninterrupted. Tils, just back on your point about how strong the Dutch are and the fact that they train on these kinds of uh, kind of roads, the cobbles, etc. How can uh, Australian, uh, New Zealand riders uh, learn from the Dutch? And are we a different breed? Do we train differently? What is it? No, I think uh, the women do get a really good opportunity. I know it's something that I've always tried to do in racing and training with a lot of the men, which enable you to have these big packs and sort of the stress of that bunch and the speed of that bunch. But, yeah, nothing compares to actually getting over there. But I think, as you say, you've got to crawl before you walk and run and sprint. Tomo, so you've got to start. Uh, I think skill set is a massive one to start off with. You can't race these types of races without the confidence in the bunch. And then once you've, I guess, risen to the, the cream in, in the Australian uh, peloton, then to take that overseas, whether that be starting in the US to get a bit more confidence, but certainly nothing matters unless you're getting results in Europe with these teams. So that's where they need to go. And, you know, the, the COVID period really stunted the growth in Australian cycling for a moment. No one could leave or take those sort of opportunities. And so you're really seeing a huge wave of Aussies over in Europe now. And then they're all starting to get signed up, which is really exciting as well. Yeah. Well said. That's fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to the next uh, seven stages. Uh, what do you make of the course? Uh, we know that the final stage is going to be an absolute belter uh, when they climb up to the top of Belfi. Uh, but apart from that, uh, they're going through the Champagne District, which can be up and down, quite undulating, quite pretty too. Um, Tills, what do you make of the whole course? Well, if there's going to be... Yeah, if there's going to be any stage you watch, it's going, it's, it has to be stage four. So stage four is the Strata Bianchi stage, if you want to call it. So it's full of uh, gravel, uh, some difficult climbs. Uh, it's not going to be where Anamik but it, uh, wins, but it will be that age-old. Uh, you won't win the tour there, but you could lose it. And I think that's where they're really going to try to put um, some of the GC contenders under pressure to see if they can get a buffer for those later stages. So this is a little bit like that men's Roubaix stage stage four is the stage to watch if you want to get a real grasp of what's happening in women's cycling and then obviously you know, the final stages will be uh where where the gc really comes to four but what what i'm loving is that there's no there's none of these uh smaller stages at the end so the winner will unlikely be crowned until that very last stage fantastic 
Well, Hollywood, uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, you were like a bloodhound today, just sniffing out everything around uh, the traps that oh, you were mate, at. It's um, just, it's a good just, day, huh? It was just a great day, and Paris is a great city. And I just want to touch on something like I see yesterday or the day before in Melbourne, the Herald Sun ran this thing on banning scooters in in the streets of Melbourne. And I looked today or yesterday and today in Paris, there's people riding around bikes, no helmets, kids, mums with kids, people on scooters on the footpath on the road all over the place and there's no issues it's just it, mm. it just yeah. flows it's no anger it just works no. it's absolutely th- hollywood and, and you know in um, in paris you uh, if you're a cyclist you are entitled to ride through a red light with caution obviously mm-hmm. but that's how it is over here uh, it's a civilized city when it comes to motorists um sharing the roads with with bike it's riders. so true. Like, like I'm just seeing scooters on the footpath on the on the road, and no no one's got helmets on, and there's kids on them, mums with kids on them, just rolling through. And I'm just thinking, if this is in Melbourne, they'd be going mental. And you know, you know, Neil Mitchell would be on his high horse. And here we are, a progressive city, and everyone's just riding, no helmet, through traffic all mm. over the place, and it just works. I just mm. wish we would see that. You know, the the lawmakers or the governments would see that. Site. You know, the more people that ride bikes the less cars that are on the road which means there's less traffic it's a win for if there's more bikes i'm from sydney uh neil mitchell uh, should i know him oh he's maybe um oh, look, yeah. i'm only joking i do oh. know him oh good all right sorry <laughs> <laughs> the ray hadley's <laughs> let's uh let's uh, look forward to the uh, tour de femme and it's not yes. the femmes it's not the femme it's the i might get gabriel Garte back on perhaps he can give us a correct pronunciation it's the tour de femme okay um look forward to talking to you two over the next uh, few days we've got some special guests coming up and uh, for you at home share us the domestics we are going gangbusters everybody <laughs> loves us i saw oh. it today on the champs Elysees. the french were crawling up to you Asking you, are you from the domestics, uh, yes, Hollywood? Uh, Why yeah, are signing they call autograph, you Hollywood? taking photos. It was, a, it was a good day out there, mate. Good day. <laughs> and I'm so happy to share it with you, Hollywood. Thank Tills, you, wish next you were here. Year, we love yeah, you, Tills. Next year, Tills, you're coming. Thanks, We're coming guys. to watch you race here next year, Tills. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, Thanks so much. You See you, guys. guys. You've been listening to the Dom Estiques. Bye for now. The Domestics by Blanchard Sideman.